This evening we'll be back in Matthew chapter number 28. Matthew 28 uh, will also be in the book of Acts chapter number 1. And so I will read from Matthew 28, uh, read the Great Commission once again. And so if you want to turn there, you can, but do get your spot in Acts chapter number 1, uh, because after we pray in just a moment, we'll spend the remainder of the time uh, in the book of Acts this evening, and we'll look at another aspect of the Great Commission. This morning, I uh, preached on the uh, conversion of the Great Commission. Uh, next Sunday morning, I will preach on the baptism of the Great Commission, and then Lord will the following Sunday morning, I'll preach on the discipleship of the Great Commission. And then the following Sunday morning, I'm planning on preaching on the motivation of the Great Commission. And then each Sunday night, I'll be preaching on a different uh, aspect of the Great Commission. And my plan is that uh, we'll take this series right through the end of the month. And uh, that is the plan. And uh, so we'll go at least that long and we'll see uh, beyond that what the Lord does. Uh, those that work for publications are hoping that it ends at the end of June because I've given them the task to have the, this book ready by the Preacher's Delight Conference in October plenty of time for them to get that done and so uh, you don't have to rest much so uh, but the Lord is uh, using this and we'll look at it again this evening look at a different aspect of the Great Commission this is message number 23 uh, in this series so Matthew 28 verse 19 and 20 go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Of course, we know that our Lord has uh, been resurrected. Uh, he, these are witnesses of His resurrection. Uh, this is the early church gathered. He gives them this commission, this command, before He ascends back into heaven. Pretty simple, right? Pretty straightforward. Uh, pretty easy to do, don't you think? Uh, not by man's might not by man's power. If this is going to be done, the church must be focused on this task. Uh, if this is going to be accomplished, then the church must have this as its focus, its priority. But more than that, the church must have the power to be able to do what Christ has commissioned it to do. And tonight I'm going to speak on the subject, the power of the Great Commission. The power of the Great Commission. Father, help us tonight as we uh, look once again into your word. I pray now that the Spirit of God would uh, instruct us, teach us, help us. Uh, may we realize the importance not just of the command, not just of the responsibility, the task, uh, but what it will take to be able to fulfill the commission that's been given. Bless your church this evening, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This commission that Jesus had given was certainly one of priority, one of importance. Uh, for the world to be reached with the gospel. As we look this morning at the teach all nations, and Jesus was commissioning them to be those witnesses to teach so that they could be a convert of Christ. So they, their soul could be converted. They could become a child of God. This is not something that any man can accomplish. This is not something any preacher can accomplish. But it must be accomplished by the power of God himself. We look in Acts chapter number 1 this evening, and we pick up there. Christ is just about to ascend into heaven. He had fulfilled his purpose for coming. 
Uh, he had gone to the cross of Calvary, uh, a sinless uh, God-man. Uh, he was going to take upon him the sins of the world. He did so. As the scripture says, he gave up the ghost. He gave his life. He was placed in that tomb, and three days later, he came forth victorious over death and hell. He had accomplished what he had come to do. He's going to ascend into heaven, and we find in Acts chapter number 1, in verse number 8, Christ says to those assembled there to witness this, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the othermost part of the earth. Christ, before he ascends to heaven, the last thing he does is he reminds them of the commission he gave them. He reminds them to reach the world with the gospel. He reminds them that they must be witnesses to teach all nations what they had witnessed. They had witnessed a resurrected Savior. They had witnessed the evidence that he was the Son of God. They had witnessed that man could be saved and freed from bondage of sin, and they were to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. If we're going to fully understand the Great Commission, and by the way, we fulfill the Great Commission because it's commanded of God. We fulfill the Great Commission because it could and would reach the world if God's church would just fulfill the Great Commission. It is something that is the priority. If we are going to have a proper understanding of Acts chapter number 1 and verse 8, we must really be careful to see what the Lord is saying. He tells them that they are to go in and be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. They were to witness what they had seen. Before they are to be witnesses, they must receive power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Before they teach all nations, as we saw this morning, they must receive power. They receive power, as verse number 8 says, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now follow, in order to re receive the ability to fulfill the command to be witnesses, or to teach all nations, you must receive power from the Holy Ghost. Jesus had told the disciples in John 14 that he would send another when he left to prepare a place for them. When Jesus was baptized by John, the Spirit was present in the form of a dove. When Christ gave the commission in Matthew 28, as we already read this evening, he commanded to baptize the new converts in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. The power of God had been granted to the Holy Ghost, who is a part of the Godhead. Now Jesus gives the promise of the power by the Holy Ghost to fulfill the commission he has given. I want to remind us all tonight, I want to remind us as the church, I want to remind us as individual Christians, God is not going to command us to do something that He does not give us the ability to do. I didn't say you had the ability, I said that He would give us the ability to do. You and I cannot reach this world, but with the power of God, the world can be reached. 
a man cannot save a soul. You cannot, you cannot convince anyone of anything. It comes by the power of God. The church today fails when it tries to simply organize world evangelism and when it does not prioritize power. The church fails in the Great Commission when it lives an unholy, unseparated life, preventing the filling of the Holy Spirit. The church fails in the Great Commission when it grieves the Holy Spirit with Christians who are full of envy, bitterness, and unforgiveness. The church fails when it tries to reach the world with the world. The church fails to fulfill the Great Commission when it fails to prioritize seeking power from the Holy Spirit, which is necessary to fulfill the Great Commission. It takes more than just saying, we want to reach our Jerusalem. It takes more than having a, a world map on the back wall. It takes more than, 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 than all of the cliche that, that we need to reach the world with the gospel. We must have the power of the Spirit of God in order to fulfill that which Christ commanded. Upon the command in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, once the church was snapped to attention, it did not rush to Jerusalem. We know the passage, Christ gives this command in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. They gazed toward heaven, and those angels said, Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus is coming again. And when they were snapped to attention and they realized now we must do what he has commanded us to do, they did not rush into Jerusalem. The early church that we find here did not organize a mission board and send missionaries into the world. What did the church do with the full weight of this command, with the urgency of the hour, with the admonition of Christ, well, verse 12 through verse 14 tells us that they assembled in an upper room and with one accord prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit. It is an amazing thing when God's people are of one accord. They weren't of one accord of, of what color the wall should be painted. They didn't care. They weren't of one accord of, of all of the different uh, things that programs in a church. They didn't care. They were of one accord. We must have the power of the Spirit of God so that we can reach the world with the gospel. We must have the power of God so that we can fulfill the task that Christ has given us. They assembled in that upper room and verse 14 reminds us, with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren, they prayed and they, they prayed for an extended period of time until they had the power of the Spirit of God. Church tonight, listen very carefully. The same power that was available to Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, and the other members of that early assembly assembly is available to the church today. The reason the world is not being reached is no power. The reason churches are dying is no power. 
The reason the lost leave church on Sunday with no conviction, therefore no conversions, is no power. If we are going to win our city, we must have power. If we're going to impact our region for Christ, we must have power. If we're going to see revival in our country, more than we need a Republican, I know that's unpopular. I'm not, now, I'm, I'm okay with that, but we must have power. If the church was empowered, it wouldn't matter who was in office. If the church was empowered, God would, and he continues to take care of all of that. We must have power. If we are going to reach the world, we must have power. Let me, let me bring out four things the Spirit of God does when it comes to His power. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 2, just over a couple of pages, and verse number 37. And while you're turning there, let me say number one, the power of the Holy Spirit brings conviction. How do you know? You say, Pastor, you see, you're hard on these, these, these emerging contemporary churches. You make statements like there's no conversions, there's, there's no spirit, there's no power. When there's no conviction, there's no spirit of God. Because the spirit of God brings conviction. The power of the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Notice in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 37. Now when they heard this, what did they hear? Well, go back to verse 32. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. The witnesses. They are telling them, we've seen Jesus. Jesus, you crucified, we've seen him. He was dead, now he's alive. Well, where is this Jesus? He ascended back into heaven. We witnessed it. This same Jesus, and they go into that message and to talk about Christ and what God has done. And when they heard that in verse 37, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Conviction brings man to a point of decision. No conviction, no decision. That, that is why if, if, if the Spirit of God is present, the Word of God, which he authored, is preached, there ought to be some conviction. Conviction is not a comfortable feeling. Conviction is very uncomfortable. And where we have got it wrong as a church is we've said we want those that are lost without Christ to feel comfortable. Let me be as clear as I can be. I don't want a lost man to be comfortable when the gospel is preached. I want the Spirit of God to prick their heart. I want the Spirit of God to, to weigh on them the fact that if they die without Christ, they will spend an eternity in hell. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Even as a child of God, we're talking about the Great Commission, the conversion, then the, the, the public declaration, and then the growth. It is the conviction of the Spirit of God that teaches that new creature in Christ that there are things, because I am a new creature, there are things I must leave behind. There are things that I did that I didn't realize were wrong. I now realize that a child of God should not be doing. 
There are things I shouldn't be saying. There are things I shouldn't be watching. There are places I should not go. There are people I shouldn't be around. I should be presenting myself as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the Spirit of God that brings about that conviction. It is the Spirit of God that, that pricks the heart and it brings us to a point of decision. And these men said, what shall we do? They didn't get to that point because they were given a religious survey. It was because of the power of the Spirit of God. Notice in this passage, them being pricked in their heart led to their conversion. In verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word, they received Christ and became the sons of God. After they received Christ, they were baptized. In the same day, they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. The conviction came by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, notice in chapter number four, we'll look at verse 31. The power of the Holy Spirit brings boldness. Verse 31, and when he had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Boldness comes by the filling of the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost and he works through you, there is a boldness that is unique in his work. You take men of the last generation, I've heard this criticism of, well, they were full of pride. They were arrogant. They, were, uh, they, they, they thought that they knew it all. I, they're missing the point because they've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're not afraid of man. When you spend time with God, man doesn't intimidate you. When you have the Spirit of God, you have the Word of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, who, who, who you're delivering His message, fulfilling the commission that Christ has commanded, there is a boldness that comes with the Spirit of God. The power of the Holy Spirit brings boldness. Friend, if you want the boldness to do what is right, you need the Spirit of God. You want the boldness to be a witness to your co-workers, you need the Spirit of God. You want the boldness to be a soul winner? You need the Spirit of God. You want the boldness to stand in front of a Sunday school class? You need the Spirit of God. You want the boldness to preach the gospel? You need the Spirit of God. You want the boldness to be a witness in this world? You must have the Spirit of God. The song that was sung just a few moments ago about how the world is, has changed the message and the world, of course, is on the offensive while the church shrinks back. And the church has the truth. But if the church has the power, then the church has the boldness. And if, if God's church would get the power of the Spirit of God upon it, then the church would be bold enough to go into this world and preach the gospel. You read of these early Christians through the book of Acts. You read of their martyrdom. What would cause them to be so bold is cause them to face death and not recant Christ. I'll tell you what, it's the Spirit of God. 
It's the power of God. The power of the Holy Spirit brings boldness. Number three, look at me in Acts chapter number five. We'll look at verse 39. The power of the Holy Spirit delivers evidence. This is an interesting story. Peter and the other apostles were, you go back to verse 28. People are upset with him because he says, Ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. They refuse to, in boy, the, verse 29, you, you think preachers are bold today. You read verse 29 on down. It's about how we ought to obey God rather than man. Then this council of these Pharisees, there's a man named Gamaliel who, verse 34, that stood there up, one in the council of Pharisee named Gamaliel. He, the doctor of the law, had a reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said to them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days rose up Thaddeus, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves, who was slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. Now bear in mind, the Pharisees accused Christ of being anybody but the Son of God. And these men were filling the doctrine with this one who they refused to accept as the Son of God. Now this man is saying, we've seen this before. There's been others that have rised up and had some followers. Verse 37, and this, after this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him, he also perished. And all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. But if it be of God... Ye cannot overthrow it, lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. See, the power of the Holy Spirit delivers evidence. You can't overthrow it. You can't defeat it. You can fight it, but you can't change it. See, when you and I need to be reminded, say, well, the church needs to be accepted as, as you know, in this society. Well, I may or may not disagree with that, but what we need to focus on is the fact that you can't argue with changed lives. Pastor, not everybody uh, believes what we believe. Not everybody stands where we stand. We, we don't choose our stand and our beliefs by where everybody else stands and believes, first of all. But if you and I are just busy reaching people with the gospel, trying to fulfill the Great Commission, you cannot argue with a man who was lost and now is saved. You cannot argue with the changed life. You can, I know, in, in, in those that have compromised and those that go the other way and those that have put social uh, matters on the front burner and the gospel on the back burner, they'll criticize the old-time church like our church. They'll criticize the old-time way. But let me tell you what they don't have. They don't have the converts. Let me tell you what they don't have. They don't have the changed lives. And you cannot argue with changed lives. The whole power of the Holy Spirit delivers evidence. You can't argue with miracles. I don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, if you watch you walk on water, you do. If you saw him hanging on that cross, taking his last breath, and then a short time later you saw him walking around, you believe in miracles. 
Well, how many of you are saved tonight on your way to heaven? You believe in miracles, don't you? Because you were bound for hell on your way to that place to pay for your sins, and Jesus saved your soul. And you went from a lost man to a saved man. That's a miracle that only God can do. See, the power of the Holy Spirit delivers evidence. You and I, as part of God's church, we must just be focused on fulfilling the commission that Christ gave. But we must have the power of the Spirit of God, or it's all in vain. I give you number four, and we'll be done tonight. Acts chapter number nine. I love this story. Let me give you the fourth truth tonight. The power of the Holy Spirit transforms. In Acts chapter number 9, we find a man by the name of Saul. Earlier, we, we didn't stop tonight, this, this evening, obviously, but Stephen, that first martyr of the church, who preached such a powerful message with the power of the Spirit of God, that it brought such conviction that those under conviction became enraged. The Bible says they began to gnash on him with their teeth. They picked up stones and they stoned him. And there was a Pharisee by the name of Saul who held the coats of the men who took the life of Stephen. He was Saul, the church persecutor. Saul, the murderer. Saul, the the, the wicked man. But one day, on the road to Damascus, to kill more Christians, to persecute more converts of Christ, he met Jesus. When he met Jesus, he was converted himself. We find an interesting story that we will revisit in another message by the, before the end of this series. In verse number 17, Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus that appeared unto thee, and the way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mayest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now to understand the significance of that, we must be reminded of Saul the church persecutor. Saul, after he was saved and he would become the Apostle Paul, he didn't know everything that the Apostle Paul would know. He, he wasn't ready to write those letters that we have in the New Testament tonight. He didn't have the power to, to, to change the, the hearts of men. He didn't have the power that God would work through him to do those miracles. This was Saul, the brand new convert of Christ. Spiritually speaking, he knew a lot about the law, but spiritually speaking, he didn't know up from down. He didn't know what he was supposed to do. He didn't know where he was supposed to go. The Lord comes in a vision to this man named Ananias and speaks to him. And in verse number 10, he says, Behold, I am here, Lord. He had been waiting for this moment. God has come to him. There's a great and mighty thing that God had for him to do. Oh, I can imagine what he must have thought it was the bit. 
What important task do you have for me, God? In verse number 11, the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Now, I've seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in. I could think Ananias going, you, you told him my name? Saul of Tarsus, the words struck fear in the heart of the Christian. Now, seeing a vision, a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. When Saul met Christ, he was blinded. Then Ananias answered, verse 13, Lord, as if God didn't know. Just in case you haven't heard, God, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me. Thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And Ananias came to the new convert. God has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. In verse number 21, but all that heard him were amazed. Heard who? Heard Saul, heard Paul, and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent, that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. The power of the Holy Spirit transforms. The power of the Holy Spirit is not come as you are and leave the same. The power of the Holy Spirit is come as you are and leave transformed. Leave changed. A church can't do that. But the Spirit of God can Man cannot do that, but the Spirit of God can. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can take a church persecutor and make him a church builder. Only the power of the Holy Spirit can take the church, the one killing Christians, and make him a martyr for Christ himself. Friend, we look at this world and we look at those that were even converted this morning and saved this morning. The Spirit of God is the one who makes the change in that life. Well, they, we see people, they get saved, well, they, they, don't, they don't seem like much. Oh, don't underestimate. It's that public declaration of faith is made. Don't underestimate as one says, I'll take the responsibility 
helping you grow as a Christian. Friend, I I believe this with my whole heart sitting in the shadows of, of churches across this world are Saul's who could be Paul's. But it takes the power of the Spirit of God to transform lives. Friend, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of our goals, in the midst of work for the Lord, and it is work to fulfill the Great Commission, let's be reminded it's the power that we must have. I'm excited as we've reviewed in these last few nights the different fellowships, and we'll do it again tomorrow night with those who have uh, yet to been able to attend. And we, by God's help, we, we are going to be, we, I mean, this is a summer Sunday night, and we have, we're out of room. We need space desperately. God's going to give it to us. But more than we need a bigger building, and we need a bigger building, we need the power of God. More than we need everything on that list that's our goals to accomplish for the Lord this year, we need the power of God. Friend, don't get enamored by the things of this world. Don't get enamored by, by, by those who, who compromise along the way and it seems like they rush to the front of the line. And, and look, look at all that God has given them. Friend, if you have the power of God, the power of God can do anything. The power of God is what delivers. The power of God is what changes lives. The power of God is what heals marriages. The power of God is what what empowers a church to make a difference in this world. Friend, we must have the power of God. It's why it's important for you to seek the power of God. It's important for us as a church to prioritize the power of God. Friend, that's why you and I must live a holy, separated life. God does not fill dirty vessels. But he will fill empty ones. We must empty ourselves of self. Our wishes, our desires, our wants. and Make way and yield for the Spirit of God to use us in the greatest way possible. Friend, it's the power of God that makes the difference. It's the power of God that God without will enable us. Well, Pastor, that's a, that's, a, that's a big goal to double our attendance this year. How are we going to do it? It's the power of God. But it's these things that we're, we're trying to accomplish, how are we going to do it? It's the power of God. Pastor, that, 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 that double portion offering, how are we going to do it? You're going to give it. That's how we're going to do it. No, it's it's the power of God. Well, I don't know how I can do that. Friend, with the power of God, he can take nothing and make something. We don't even know what God's already put into place. But he has given the Spirit of God is available to you and I to do more than we've ever done for the cause of Christ. The same Spirit of God that was at Pentecost can meet right here at 12046 Normandy Boulevard. The same Spirit of God that empowered those men to turn a city upside down can turn this city upside down. That is what we need. We need the Spirit of God. And God takes ordinary people. And when they say, before we do anything else, we must have His power. We must have 
His empowerment. Because with the power of God, that is when miracles are done. That's when lives are changed. Well, you want to do more for the cause of Christ? You've got to have His power. You know, I've, I've read, studied the book of Acts pretty extensively. Chapter number one, I've studied that chapter along with a few others, probably more than any other chapter in the Bible. What I cannot find amongst that early church, not one reference, not one word about talent. Not one word, not one reference about ability. What we do find is ordinary people. We find children of God just referred to as an old disciple. But I remind you, an old disciple is still a disciple. What makes the difference? The Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Friend, I hope that we're praying for God to do miracles. More than we pray for God to do miracles, let's pray for God's power, for God's spirit, for God to empower us to do what it is that we should be doing. Father, use your word tonight. Use the message.